Hey everyone, I'm Pastor Chris. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. And speaking of worship, I just want to begin today by saying what a great worship team and tech team that we have here at Coastal. Are they awesome or what? Uh, Each week while you've been at home with your family, these guys have been coming in and working hard each and every week to ensure that you and I experience an excellent online worship experience. And I, for one, believe that these guys have been doing a phenomenal job. So if you agree with me, I want you to do me a little favor today. If you don't mind, go into our chat section or leave a comment just expressing your love and gratitude for all the hard work that they've been putting in. And speaking of worship, just two more weeks until we gather together for in-person worship, Sunday morning, June the 7th, 9.30 and 11.15. I hope you're just as excited as we are. But don't worry. We are going to continue to offer both experiences, online and in person. In fact, we're going to be kicking off a new series on Sunday, June the 7th. It's a summer tradition here at Coastal. It's called At the Movies. Yes, we're going to do At the Movies again this year. Um, In fact, this year's tagline is, coming to a home near you. So, At the Movies is where we use popular or current movies as a hook or a springboard uh, to talk about spiritual truth. And this year, we're going to be using movies that you can watch from home, current or popular movies on Netflix or Amazon. In fact, instead of giving away movie tickets, uh, this year we're going to be giving away $5 Amazon gift cards to all first-time guests and the friend who invited them. Now, I promise you that I'm not going to use the movie Contagion or Outbreak, okay? But it's definitely a favorite series here at Coastal, and I know that this year is going to be no different. Now, let's talk about today. As I said earlier, we're in week three of this series called Women of the Word, where each week a different woman from our church shares a message on a different woman from Scripture. And we've also had several women from our church sharing their testimony. And so far, we have heard from and been blessed by Rachel Spear, Kathy Beam, Ashley Honacki, and Stephanie Olson. Today's speaker is Perry Moyer. Perry and her husband Galen have been a part of our church now for over six years, and together they lead our prayer and decision team. And over the years, they have been a constant mainstay in leading multiple life groups here at our church. Before Perry shares her message, Another lady from our church, Harriet Farr, is going to share her very personal and powerful story. In fact, what you're quickly going to discover is that her story is really his story. So, do me a favor, Coastal. Prepare your hearts and minds to be blessed by these two women who are going to speak to us today from God's Word. My name's Harriet Farr, and I'm going to share my story with you. And mine is one about an emptiness and filling that emptiness. Start out with a quick backstory. I moved to this country when I was two years old from Wales with my parents and my older brother. We came to this country knowing no one, and my childhood was a great one for the most part. Except nobody talked to me about God, and I didn't grow up going to church. However, I did pray to God all the time, and I just knew He existed, but that was the extent of it. 
Sometime during my childhood, God placed a little girl named Annie in my life. And Annie is a Southern Baptist. Her family went to church three times a week, twice on Sundays and once on Wednesdays. And I always used to look at her family and just be in awe of this great relationship they all shared and this love of Jesus that they shared. And it's something I really longed for. So fast forward a little bit, Nanny and I grow up together and we go off to college as roommates. Well, while we were there, her faith never wavered. I was still trying to fill an emptiness. While Annie joined the Baptist Student Union, I joined a sorority. When Annie went to church services on Sunday, I went to the late brunch buffet. She did invite me to some Bible studies and I attended, but to be honest, I didn't feel like I quite fit in. I couldn't recite scripture and I didn't understand all the lingo that they were using. But from being around this group of Christians, I did realize that the God I believed in as a child was real. So fast forward to us graduating and Annie goes on to become a NICU nurse, a neonatal intensive care unit nurse. And in 2002, I marry my college sweetheart and also attend nursing school. And during nursing school, I can say that my prayer life certainly increased. I think anyone who's been through a nursing program can agree that you definitely rely on prayer. I even joined a, or got involved with a large non-denominational church where I could come and go as I pleased and remain somewhat anonymous. I even got baptized, but with the busyness of life, it just didn't impact me the way it should have. It was also during that time we met some new neighbors, Patrick and Jennifer Schroeder, who are members of Coastal. Jen invited me to church, and when I came to Coastal with her the first time, I felt so welcomed. Everyone was there with open arms. I never felt like there was something I should have known before I got there. I just thought, this is where I want to be. So fast forward to 2006, and I'm still feeling some emptiness, and we start a family. And we soon find out I'm carrying triplets. So the pregnancy goes from joy to a little fear because it becomes high risk. And at our first appointment with the specialist, we were told that we needed to abort one of the babies, that it would give myself and the other two a fighting chance to live. And my husband looked at me and I looked at him and without speaking, we, he looked at the, the team of doctors and said, I'm sorry, but God gave us three babies. It's three babies we're gonna have. At our next appointment, we were told um, baby A was too small and that fetus wouldn't survive. It would be known as vanishing twin syndrome. And again, my husband had faith and he said to the doctor, with all due respect, I think you're wrong. That baby will be here at our next appointment. Well, sure enough, that baby was there at our next appointment and every appointment after that. So God was clearly working his miracles. Eventually, I was put on bed rest for three months and during that time, Pastor Chris stops by. Keep in mind, I've met Pastor Chris one time and I couldn't even get off the couch to let him in. The poor guy had to climb over boxes of diapers and wipes that we were stockpiling and make his way to the couch. And there we sat and talked and then eventually my cats would join him. And for anyone that knows PC knows he's horribly allergic to cats. This is not something I knew at the time and I still feel a little guilty about today. But we had this wonderful talk and while he was there he said, I just want you to know the church is praying for you. Oh, wow, this group of people I don't, don't even know is praying for me and my family. How awesome is that? 
So the babies arrived two months early, Kate, Elliot, and Sarah, beautiful little girls, but they were tiny, two and three pounds. This is actually the second size diaper they wore. They would all have their own medical problems that we would face, and sadly during this time, postpartum depression kicked in for me, and I have never felt so empty in all my life. Even though I had this new big family in front of me, I just felt hollow. And one night stuck out in particular. We got a call at 11 p.m. and we knew this was bad news. And it was the NICU calling to let us know that Kate, our baby A, who was not supposed to be here, was doing poorly and she would need to be transferred to a higher level of care. Postpartum depression had already kicked in for me and I was feeling completely empty. Even with this new beautiful family in front of me, I've never felt so hollow. And I looked at my husband that night and I just said, I can't do this. If she dies, I don't know how to go on. I can't do this. And he took me in his arms and he said, she's not gonna die. Stop thinking that, she's not going to die. And to be perfectly honest, it kind of annoyed me because he wasn't a doctor or a nurse and he certainly wasn't God, so how did he know? So I went to my room and I called Annie, the NICU nurse, and I got her opinion. And then as we were on the phone, she said to me, can I pray for you? I said, absolutely. And as we were praying, I suddenly felt this comfort and this fulfillment, and I felt like I knew I was gonna bring home three babies. And I gave my life to Christ in that moment. And I asked him to take the lead, and he certainly did. Um, he wasted no time because the next morning, before I could even get down to the NICU, we got a call to let us know that Kate had made this miraculous recovery that nobody could understand, and she was back down with her sisters. So we're now 13 years into raising triplets, and they're beautiful, healthy, happy young ladies involved in many activities and the church. And I can say that with my ever-growing faith, my relationship with Christ, and my coastal family surrounding me, I've never felt that emptiness again. And I just want anyone that's listening to feel the same way. So in closing, I'd like to share a verse from Ephesians. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Ephesians 3.19I'm Perry Moyer, and thank you so much, Harriet, for sharing your story. We're so glad that you found Coastal to be your home. I know Gail and I are so happy we found Coastal. We love it here. Uh, let's pray. Lord, thank you for this opportunity. We just pray that you would have your way during this time. We just pray, Holy Spirit, that you accomplish what you want to accomplish. In Jesus' name, amen. When Pastor Chris first asked me to be one of the speakers in the Women of the Word series, I knew right away I wanted to do Mary of Bethany. I've always loved her relationship with Jesus and how she took time to be still and sit at his feet and listen and learn from him. In fact, this would make her move in a miraculous way to show her love in extravagant ways that would cost her dearly. But before we look at Mary's life, we must understand that it's our Heavenly Father's desire for us to be close to Him and to love Him with all of our heart. 
God is like a loving father. When I was a little girl, my family had a mountain cabin that we would go to during the summer months. Uh, It's one of my favorite childhood memories. We would, um, I still can remember the rushing creek and the big rocks, and we would go set out for the day. My dad would carry me, since I was the youngest, to the biggest rocks. I can remember his strong arms and shoulders and how he'd hold me close while he would maneuver rocks and step over pools and go through rushing water. I would hold tightly to him. In fact, I totally trusted him, and I actually clung to him as if I were his second skin. Never once did I think about letting go or jumping out of his arms. I had total trust in him. I trusted him because I knew him, and I knew he loved me. Jesus wants us to have that same closeness and dependency on him. We see this displayed in Jesus' words, and as he says, is the first and greatest commandment. Matthew 22:37 through 38. Jesus declared, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is to love your neighbor as yourself, which flows out of the first. Loving God with all we are will lead us to closeness with God, but how can we love him deeply when we're always so busy, distracted, and overwhelmed with life? Even during the coronavirus, it's hard to take time, and we fill our time with things other than God. So what does it look like to come close, really close, and to give him everything? You may be thinking, well, I know I have salvation, but I'm really not sure how to have this close relationship. Well, let's look at a woman who risked everything to have that close relationship with him, Mary of Bethany. Now, there's different Marys in the New Testament, but this is Mary of Bethany, this is the sister of Lazarus and Martha. It's implied that Jesus would stop at their, ha- at their house on his trips to Jerusalem, and they were actually close friends. As John 11:5 says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Intimacy with God comes from sitting at Jesus' feet. The first time we read about Mary, Jesus is traveling to Jerusalem, and he stays at their house. Luke 10, 38 through 42, while Jesus and his disciples were traveling, Jesus entered a village where a woman named Martha welcomed him as a guest. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his message. By contrast, Martha was preoccupied with getting everything ready for their meal. So Martha came to him. And she said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to prepare the table all by myself? Tell her to help me. The Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the better part. It won't be taken away from her. I know every woman can relate to Martha's frustration. Jesus has come to her home and she wants everything to be special. And she probably does need some help. I know when I'm getting company, I become like the Nazi boss, ordering my husband around. And even after company comes, I expect him to be able to read my mind and know the things that still need to be done. In fact, I'm a little jealous when he sits down with company and starts talking to them because I'm trying to get the last-minute things, preparations pulled together. So it's easy to relate to her frustration 
She, true, she thought she was in the right by asking Jesus to tell her sister to get up and help her. She thought the whole success of the evening was on her shoulders. She thought doing for him was more important than being with him. All he wanted was to spend time with his friends, to show them love and give them the words of not life. He knew they would need it. We make that same mistake like Martha in thinking that we have to earn his love by serving him. But we already have his love. His heart's desire is that we know him, love him, and obey him. Mary, on the other hand, understood who was speaking to her, and she wanted to listen to every word he had to say. She believed he was the Son of God, and she probably felt very privileged to sit at his feet and hear his teaching. You see, in that culture, women were not allowed to be listening to the uh, teacher. They were expected to be up serving. This was reserved for men. Apparently, she knew it was okay for her to take this posture. She felt safe and secure and valued by Jesus. She knew to stop everything and listen to him. Think about it. If you had Jesus Christ in your living room talking to you, would you suddenly think about jumping up and making sandwiches? I don't think so. Food or a clean house were the last thing on Mary's mind. She knew Jesus didn't care about all that. She knew he wanted to spend time with her. There would be a time for her to serve, but this was not that time. Between the two good things, she had chosen the best thing. His purpose and plan for us is so much more than just being his servant or even just being saved from hell. He wants us to realize we are his son or daughter. Just as he and the Father are one, he wants us to have that close relationship. Of course we're called to serve, but our serving comes out of relationship with Jesus. Our first responsibility is to keep that connection with Jesus solid and secure. In fact, we can only bear fruit when we're connected to him. Jesus gives an illustration in John's gospel. John 15, 5 through 7. I am the van, vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. God's word is our spiritual food. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. John 6, 35. Mary understood that her hunger and thirst couldn't be satisfied in a meal. It could only be satisfied in the words of Jesus. There's a hunger in all of us that can only really be satisfied in a daily relationship with Jesus. You know, we're always filled with a choice of filling our minds with entertainment, work, social media, and other distractions. But if we're always binging on things that, like the junk food of the world, we won't have an appetite for fresh, healthy, spiritual food. I like what Lisa Chan says. Imagine that God invites you to a great feast. You see a magnificent table overflowing with spiritual food. Everything you really need is on that table. Comfort, wisdom, peace, love, worth, joy, victory, forgiveness, and the list goes on. 
God's heart is that you would sit down at the table with him and eat as much as you need. He wants you to walk away filled and fully satisfied. Psalm 107.9, for he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he feels with good things. But you know, so often we don't sit down and eat. We rush in for a quick snack, or we may, we may stand outside the door waiting for someone else to have their fill and come bring us their leftovers. This makes no sense when we've been given a invita- personal invitation to the banquet, and it's actually kind of lazy to expect someone else to go have their fill and then bring us their leftovers. It's like going to the best restaurant in Charleston versus someone just bringing their uh, leftovers to you. Sadly, I picture many of us crawling around under the table, picking up crumbs, wondering why we feel so spiritually empty and weak. He wants us to come sit and allow him to feed our starving souls. Psalm 34, 8, taste and see the Lord is good. As so many things in our world continue to insist on our attention, we must choose, like Mary, to be still and to listen to his word. It's in his word and a prayer that we'll hear his voice. Listening to his voice requires sacrifice. I love to walk, but I especially like to walk with friends and talk while we're walking. I've had a lot of different walking buddies over the years, and most of the time I get very close to them. There's been just a couple over the years who have done all the talking, and it's usually negative and complaining. Well, I realize this must be the way God feels about me. I talk, when I talk to him, all I do is complain, and I'm negative, and I don't let him talk. He loves us, and he wants to hear our problems, but he also wants to be heard. He has the words of wisdom that we need for our lives. He wants to be our closest friend. Proverbs 18, 24, he is a friend who stays closer than a brother. A close relationship with anyone takes time, and in order for us to hear his still small voice, we have to take time and be quiet so that we can hear it. God says in Psalm 46.10, be still and know I am God. In other words, stop struggling, stop rushing around, let go, relax, and know I am God. I am in control. I'm here, and I care for you. He's not in heaven far away. He lives in us through his Holy Spirit, and it's important during the day to take time to connect with him. I know as women, we go through different seasons of life when there's a lot of demands on our times. I know when we have young children, we're just happy to be able to go to the restroom alone. But during those seasons, please try to be creative. Uh, Put on a video for the children or during their nap time, have a quiet time. Believe me, your children are going to be much more blessed if you take time to be with the Lord than just getting your dishes done. And chances are, if your children see you reading the Word and praying, When they get older, they'll follow your example. I'm easily distracted, and so that's why I journal. It helps me to focus and and be able to tune into the Lord's voice. I've journaled now for over 30 years. It helps me focus. And there's been tragedies in my life, decisions to make, broken relationships, cancers, death in the family, and every time I've been able to run to the Lord Jesus, sit at his feet, and allow him to minister, correct, instruct, counsel, and reveal his will. 
If this isn't a part of your daily routine, I suggest you just do a five-minute devotional and take some intentional steps. First, find a place where you can be undisturbed. Next, learn to quiet the voices and the distractions that are calling for your attention. I usually have a list beside me that I'll write down things and get back to later. Then buy a notebook or open your device and just tell the Lord your hopes, fears, or whatever's heavy on your heart. And then Google scriptures having to do with what you wrote. I guarantee the Lord will begin to speak to your heart and highlight those things he wants to show you. In fact, I believe it'll create a hunger in you for more. I'm thankful that when I first got saved, I was taught to have a quiet time. And at first, though, it was nothing more than something else on my to-do list or a religious exercise. It wasn't until I took one too many steps back into my old patterns that I understood this was a matter of life and death. I had to make my relationship with the Lord my number one priority, or I wasn't going to make it. You see, alcoholism, divorce, and self-centeredness are very prevalent in my family line. I knew I needed the Holy Spirit to help me. I've seen God's faithfulness over the years, and I can give real testimonies of His goodness. In fact, it was hard to pick just one to share. But I'd like to share a time um, when I was at the Lord, with the Lord, and, and I was praying and journaling, and He brought me peace and revealed His will. My husband and I um, were older when we started dating, and I was starting to grow as a Christian. And after seeking the Lord and looking for a godly man, um, I thought I knew Galen was the man I was to marry. Well, apparently at the time, the Lord had not told him that because he broke up with me. Of course, I was devastated and upset, and I cried out to the Lord. Well, as I was reading in the book of Samuel about Hannah's prayer to the Lord and how she longed for children, I too have always wanted children. In fact, truth be told, I probably wanted children a little more than a husband at times. But this led me to his feet, and I cried out, and I realized I had to surrender this whole situation, my whole future, to him. As I did, a peace came over me, and I knew everything was going to be okay. And as I thought about that name, Hannah, I thought, you know, I like that name. If I ever have a little girl, I think I'll name her Hannah. Well, of course, Gail and I got back together, and one day I randomly asked his mom what her mother's name was, and she said it was Hannah. In fact, her grandmother's name was Hannah. She didn't understand out of 20-something grandchildren why no one had named their child Hannah. Of course, I knew why. God is faithful. He had heard my prayer, and he knew the desires of my heart. Our first daughter was born three years later, and we named her Hannah. This was a tangible way the Lord showed his, his goodness and his faithfulness. I think back, if I had not taken that time to run to him and not maybe go hang out with my friends and drink, I would have not received that encouraging word from him. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Mary had taken time to seek him with all her heart. She had learned to find her identity in him. Because of her love for him, she would sacrifice and serve him no matter what the cost. 
John 12, 1 through 3, six days before the Passover celebration, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with a fragrance. This perfume was very costly. It was worth a year's wages. Uh, We don't see any evidence that Mary was married, so this was very costly to her. Jesus had told his disciples that he would be crucified soon, but some reason, no one seemed to understand that or get it except for Mary. And this moved her to pour the perfume over him. As we just read, Mary wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. There's even the possibility that that same fragrance was on both of them at the cross. Um, when Galen gets home from a coffee shop, I know exactly where he's been because I can smell the fragrance all over him. And when we sacrifice to spend time in God's presence, we too will become more and more like him, displaying the fragrance of Christ. It's time for us to take this relationship seriously and to make it our number one priority. No other relationship is going to fully satisfy us. Peter said it best when he said, Lord, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know you are the Holy One of God. Jesus paid the ultimate price for us to have fellowship with the Father. Now we must choose, like Mary, to humbly, in our hearts, to sit at his feet, to feed on his word, to do what it says, and to trust the Holy Spirit to lead us into an intimate relationship with the Father. Let me pray. Lord, I just pray so much that, um, Lord, we thank you that when we draw near to you, you draw near to us. I pray this will put a desire in all of us to go deeper with you, to, to sacrifice for you through your Holy Spirit, to be in your word, to be in prayer, to really make you our best friend and our closest friend. Lord, we just pray that you place that desire within us and that we would do what we need to do to have that. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for all you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.